and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, presented by JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Nice Jewish Fangirls is a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the amazingly geeky things that we are obsessed with, except today we're actually two Jewish fangirls and one Jewish fan guy slash rabbi. Uh, our ho- co-host Tamar is off writing a very exciting book, like a real actual book, about K-pop, and we are super proud of her. And she will be back soon. So, uh, I'm also joined, my name is Michal Shek, and I am joined by my co-host, S.M. Rosenberg. Hi. And our special guest, Manish Tana. Hello, ladies. So, all right, so let's, (laughs) a little behind the scenes thing, uh, I forgot to turn on our recorder, so this is the second time that we're doing this intro. (laughs) It's totally cool, we rocked it. It's okay, it's very smooth. No yes. one knows. <laughs> um, so we're, as always, going to get started with our current obsessions. So Manishtana, why don't you get us started? All right. Um, really excited with the latest Avengers trailer. And slightly more hopeful seeing the new longer Aladdin trailer. But the jury's still out on that one. So I actually, I don't usually cry with this stuff. I usually say that I cry. Like, my friends are like, what did you think about, like, the Avengers trailer? And I'm like, oh, my God, I was crying. I actually cried um, with this trailer. So it was, like, a little embarrassing. Oh, no. So I avoid trailers by, like, general policy because I like to go into things blind. Like, I don't read the backs of books. I don't watch trailers. Um, So I like going in, you know, and just seeing the whole thing unfold. So I get to watch everybody else freaking out and then I get to yell at them not to spoil anything. <laughs> so here's a weird fact. I used, I used to read the very last page of any book that I would first start <gasps> and then start from the beginning. Oh, no. I, as a writer, this hurts me. <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> if I wanted you to read it back to front, I would have written it back to front. <laughs> but then maybe you can make the argument that as the author, your book should be good no matter where you start it. That's a dumb idea. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Excuse me for trying to get no words there. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was a, a really good trailer. I haven't watched the Aladdin trailer yet because I'm kind of like, I know I'm going to go see it. And I kind of like, my feelings are going to be inevitable no matter what they are. <laughs> so it's. Yeah, I'm nervous. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna see it. Um, I feel like I might just rewatch the old Aladdin. You know, <laughs> like I don't really feel compelled to see the new one. Yeah, I feel like that should be yeah. like a hipster thing, right? Like staging a protest or just like playing the animated movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the beats I really enjoyed way more than the original. Uh, oh, interesting. I saw that with my friend's kids, so that made it fun. Other than that, I was a little distracted by, like, the Beast and all the all the stuff and things. I don't think I've seen any of the new live actions. Like, they did a Cinderella, right? And mm. they did Beauty and the Beast, and they did the Jungle Book. I The Jungle seen Book was also any. really good. Yeah, I heard it was good, but I haven't seen any of them. I mean... I guess I was raised more on Star Wars than on Disney. Like, the only Disney movie we own was Cinderella. (laughs) The only Disney movie we owned was Cinderella. So it's like, I don't have the same nostalgia kick that the rest of the universe seems to have when, like, one of these trailers comes out. They're like, oh, my God, my childhood. And I'm like, it's somebody else's childhood. Yay. (laughs) No, I notoriously hated the original Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) And the live action, like, fixed all the problems that I had. And, uh, yeah, it was very enjoyable. I've seen, like, most of the old ones, like, once. And, like, maybe if maybe some of them more than once, but As rarely. long as you've seen Mulan, I, in my yes, book, you're Mulan good. I have watched multiple times. Because yeah. it was on Netflix, and Gooper was obsessed with it for a while, and I was, like, re-watching it with him, and I was like, this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, we definitely have a lot of exciting nerd movies coming up, I guess, for a change. <laughs> Um, SM, how about you? What is your current obsession? Okay, my current obsession is this Netflix show, Traveler, which I think I am coming super late to the party of because I'm pretty sure it's finished and, like, no more. But there are three seasons on Netflix, and I am about halfway through the first. And the premise of the show is 
that time travelers come to our present day from a terrible dystopian future in order to avert the apocalypse in the here and now. The twist of the show is that they don't come physically in time machines. They transfer their consciousnesses into people at their recorded moments of death. So like the person was going to die um, and they're, so they're not killing them technically because um, the person was about to die. And so they just basically take over those bodies just before the moment of death and then continue living those lives. They come in teams and like different people on the team have different responsibilities. Like one is the medic, one is the tech guy, one is the historian who is responsible for remembering every important uh, detail in order to like, he knows all of the lottery numbers so he can get the money. Um, he knows all the, you know, horse races and whatever. And he knows all the people who are about to die therefore, and like what their recorded time of death are, is and where their coordinates are so that they can, you know, get them when, uh, when a new traveler arrives. What I really love about the show and I posted on Facebook about it. I love the male characters on this show because they're all just really good guys. Like there's no lovable rogue or charming, sexist, smarmy, you know, guy who like has the heart of gold, but has to cover it up with his like awful <laughs> condescending uh, behavior toward women. And just like, there's, there's just none of that. Like all of the guys are just like really upfront and, good <laughs> and like they they're interesting and they're compelling and they're flawed in their own ways but none of those ways include being you know disgusting toward women and there's no bad boy and i feel like that is incredibly rare like most ensembles will have you know one bad boy at least you know, like you can go through like almost any ensemble cast and you like, you know, immediately from Lost, it was Sawyer and like, um, and Gilmore Girls was Jess. And oh, I don't know, you just, yeah, <laughs> like, and Logan, like everybody on that show was a bad boy. They were terrible. They had terrible men on that show. But this show just doesn't have that. And like, I just really enjoy watching these men be really nice, you know, examples of positive masculinity. And it's just, it's rare. And like, I do like the female characters. They haven't been as focused on yet. They haven't gotten their own individual episodes as much, I feel. But um, I'm hopeful that that will evolve as it goes. And uh, well, that sounds yeah, incredibly really unrealistic to me. Not the time travel part, <laughs> the men part. <laughs> yeah, the men part. Yeah. Pandering. Oh, it's complicated. But yeah, but there's like one of the guys, like the leader of the team who took over an FBI agent who had, who was, who had died. Um, so his name is Grant McLaren. And this is like legit the only time that I have ever found the name Grant sexy. Like, Grant is just an accountant name, you know, like there is nothing sexy about the name Grant for the most part. And like, I never thought that I would like the name Grant until he brought this character to life. And like, I just really like him. He has this kind of like more rugged Rob Lowe type of vibe. Like, he's not as pretty and polished as Rob Lowe, but he's got this similar kind of vibe and I'm, I'm digging it. So, yeah, that's my current obsession, and I should have kept that shorter. But, yes, now it's your turn, Michal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, I actually have another Netflix show that I'm obsessed with. Um, it came out a couple weeks ago, actually, like, almost a month ago today. But it is The Dragon Prince, which yes. I've spoken about before. And season two came out. I just finished it. It was so the Avatar, guys. Yes, it was so <laughs> <laughs> it's from the head writer of Avatar. Cooper told me that there were 12 episodes this season because he misunderstood like they have like little featurettes at the end or oh, trailers or something yeah. and he thought there were more episodes and like and then the, the last episode happened and we were like okay next episode and then we're like oh my god it's over <laughs> what now <laughs> it's so good like I think the first season really I liked it a lot but it definitely had like it was it was more potential I think than actualized and then this season it was like yes Oh my god, like you know when you know what a show is capable of and the show the show was like, yeah, hey, we're capable of this. We can do this. And it was it's just oh, it's so good. It's about like 
intergenerational conflict and cycles of violence and prejudice and magic and there's a baby dragon who is the cutest thing in the world and, <laughs> and um, his name is Ozymandias Ozymandias his, his name is, is Ozymandias oh my god it's so cute I can't <laughs> um so I'm glad I'm not alone anymore because I feel like I was like not a ton of people watched it in the first season and now people are like getting on board and I'm so happy and Netflix needs to order season three and I honestly love it. I do feel like this is a middle chapter, like a two towers, like, you know, they started going to Mordor and they still have, they just yeah, dropped to Mordor. Well, they and won't tell moved. me, I keep yeah. asking them, but they won't tell me how many seasons they're like planning because Netflix like won't renew them ahead of time. So they're yeah, like, we have, we have an epic <laughs> idea, you know, a long-term story. And I'm like, but six seasons, right? Because there's like six of the magical elements that you're talking about. And a about. movie. Yeah. And they're like, maybe that'd be nice and I'm like okay but I need it out so <laughs> yes <laughs> but it also had like just some really moving like sibling story arcs in it and my favorite character is a girl who does dark magic but she's also like a total goofball and and she's also like super evil but she's also not evil though like, she's, she's not evil such a dork. she just does <laughs> She just does like what she really thinks is right and what she has to do. And that's like a lot of that, the time it, that turns out to be like not good, but she's not like cognizant of that. Yeah. Like I started out the season really mad at her. And then <laughs> over the course of the season, I was just like, I like you. Why are you evil? Well, she's the bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She even like she's has not the, like bad boy in the sense that most bad boys you know well, like she has a she's, she's bad with Callum. evil but like, she I doesn't mean, mistreat people in like a casual way you know like in just general human interaction she's fine true but she's she's my slytherin daughter so yeah. I love she her. and soren are great yes oh my god i love them so much um so that is uh that's us for current obsessions so right uh da, 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 da. So now we're going to transition very neatly into talking more to Manishana. Um, Some introductory questions, as it were, before we get into our main topic. So, Manishana, um, why are you a nerd? Uh, (laughs) Let's start with the epistemological question right right off the bat. (laughs) Why are you a nerd? (laughs) Why are any of us really nerds? Are we all really nerds? What is a nerd? (laughs) There is a street um, in Israel called the Fulton <laughs> Like someone posted and everyone was like, tag yourselves. <laughs> I have to go there. Um, I guess I was, you know, raised on, you know, Star Trek original series, the old like 30 and 40 monster movies, comic books, huge, the video games. Also pretty huge, and yeah, big uh, fan of fantasy and high fantasy and urban fantasy and all those fun things. So I guess those are my credentials. Do I pass? Very nice. You pass. We don't gatekeep here. If you're on this podcast, you are a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm wondering, what, what would you say are like your main fandoms? Oh, that is a very difficult question nowadays for me personally, because I grew up very staunch DC boy and the DC movie universe has been for the large part horrible. The TV <laughs> universe is really good. Uh, it's not Sometimes. So. Sometimes though. <laughs> <laughs> Legends of Like tomorrow. the DC animated universe. Beautiful. Love that place. But all their live action things are kind of meh. Yeah. Legends of Tomorrow though. <laughs> Ooh, no! Is- this is intense, though, because we've never had anyone on the show who's, like, watched the other DC stuff with with SM. So now, like, I kind of want you guys to, like, just fight it out. You have to duke it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, how far did you get in Legends of Tomorrow? Because, like, it I changed. I saw a couple of episodes. I just didn't. Oh. Blah, blah. Yeah, you have to try starting from season two uh, and see if that works at all for you because it just gets more and more bonkers as it goes and it, it yeah. i don't know if you don't like bonkers it's not gonna work <laughs> but like the bobcat like the disney cartoon bonkers or i just feel like it's no, the most of any of the shows that i've seen maybe i'll give it a whirl i don't know it's just that entire 
batch of shows just really enjoy it for me. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I dropped all of them uh, except for Legends of Tomorrow. And then I got back in to, um, well, they had a crossover episode. I, ro- I watched the crossovers. They had a crossover episode uh, this season with Flash and Arrow, neither of which I was watching on their own. And then it reminded me how much I actually really like um, Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen on Arrow. And so then I went and I binged all the parts of Arrow that I had missed. And yeah, now I'm actually sad that it's going to be ending next season. But I did like the crossover episode. That was good. Mostly because I was so happy to see uh, John Wesley ship back as the Flash in the classic (laughs) 90s costume with his theme and playing whenever he was on screen. So that really was the icing on the cake for me. Yeah, I mean, they've had him in multiple episodes playing that character. Yeah, because they're trying to appeal to the guys like you who won't give it a shot otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was funny when he showed up as Jay Garrick. Like, oh, that's a nice homage. But when he yeah. was like Barry Aaron, Alan Flash, that was great. Um, so that's that's cool. I I unfortunately I'm not holding in most of those properties, but um, I have been <laughs> been told that I should catch up, and I'm like, but there's so much more Marvel that I have to watch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not going to make you watch all of these shows. Just Legends. Uh, okay we'll see maybe the next fandom swap that we do um but but i just like like legends of tomorrow is a show where like they had after the crossover episode um they had an episode um they had like i think it was their their mid-season finale which was completely bananas and they had they they just like walk on the on the ship and the computer says you know you have messages from Oliver Queen Barry Allen and Kara Zor-El and one of the characters says ah oh, sounds like the yearly the annual crossover hard pass <laughs> and then they just go on you know <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> they don't care that's yeah. pretty funny um, right. I I have heard good things about uh, Legends of Tomorrow like in terms of it being just fun and enjoying what it can do. Um, yeah, yeah, and it just it does not take itself seriously at all, mm-hmm. which some people like got tired of Arrow taking itself so seriously. Um and Flash sometimes takes itself too seriously and Supergirl is like the most earnest show you are ever going to see, but Legends of Tomorrow just doesn't take anything seriously and they have just gay superheroes everywhere. <laughs> <It's amazing>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, awesome. So, uh, Manishana, um, do you you ever find that your fandoms or your nerdiness blends with your Jewish life or does it, do you kind of keep them separate? I know a lot of people have different approaches to that kind of thing or the different approaches. I I, I very definitely like drew up like Jewish superhero characters. I have like random notebooks lying around of all these characters I created. Yeah. And I actually gave, um, a talk for I can't remember it's floating out of my head, like a huge Jewish teen uh, event that happens every summer, and I gave a talk on uh, superheroes being like not just American mythology but a manifestation of Tikkun Olam, especially given that they're mostly Jewish creators. So that was fun. Oh my god, I love that. Um... So you're, and you're also a creator yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm feeling very inadequate right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so tell us about your books. I know you recently wrote a fiction book. I did. Um, that was fun. Yes. Tell us and, about and it. Stressful. <laughs> I'm in the acknowledgement. Well, it... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Yes. Even though I was really, really mean to you about it. <laughs> I mean, you were kind of asking for it, right? Like, you were like, be honest, be brutally honest. And also, I Go know that it. you just ripped apart this other book because it had a self-indulgent narrator. So I'm going to give you my book that might have a self-indulgent narrator and tell me what you think. <laughs> None of this surprises me. <laughs> so that was a weird, like, circular roller coaster. Like, before I started writing or blogging or anything, I just wanted to be, like, a screenwriter and write about, you know, dragons and elves and whatnot. And I was like, hey, you know, not a lot of, you know, 
Orthodox screenwriters, definitely not a lot of Black Orthodox screenwriters. So I should, you know, write a screenplay about that. And I ended up with a 263-page screenplay, which in screenplay, a minute equals a page. And I was like, no one's going to sit here and watch a six-hour-long movie. (laughs) Well, then you make a mini-series. That's what Netflix does. (laughs) It wouldn't work as a series. So, I, like, I spent 10 years trying to find different ways, like, re-format or represent it. And I started blogging so that the book would make more sense because the issues and terms would have been out in, like, social consciousness at that point. And then 10 years later, it was able to actually come out because that happened. So that was very fun. Yeah, you want to tell people what it's about? Give us a little... Uh... Oh, insight into the actual uh, book and the pitch it to us? Uh, it's this 20-something-year-old, you know, orthodox black rabbi who stumbles his way into becoming the rabbi of a dying synagogue. Meanwhile, he's also looking for a job and, and love and figuring out his place in the world and all that fun stuff and, and encountering, you know, racism in Jewish spaces, anti-Semitism in ethnic spaces, and just, you know, so that's actually a good transition for us to um, move into our main topic, um, which is cultural appropriation of blackface on Purim. Surprise, guys, we're Ooh. talking about something important, a nice Jewish fangirl. <laughs> First time for everything. Breaking the mold. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is an issue that comes up, unfortunately, year. I, I feel like us us white Jews are, are like, it comes up yearly um, for Jews of color it, I'm sure it comes up a lot more often. Um, but let's, let's, I guess, start from the, the base level. Um, why would we say that uh, cultural appropriation and blackface and yellowface and things like that are not good, don't do them on Purim or ever? Well, broadly, um, you're essentially taking someone's culture or skin and having fun with it for a day. And they have to actually, like, live in that, you know, every day for the rest of their life. That is kind of making light of that experience. And or specifically in cases like blackface or yellowface, it's perpetuating something that was created specifically to dehumanize and other them. So those are not really fun things to do. Yeah, and I feel like it's, um, I mean, it's a particular shame that, like, that is something that comes up around Purim because like, you know, we, we've actually had this discussion on nice Jewish fangirls before where I've been like, Purim's the perfect holiday. Everybody's happy on Purim. And then Samar went, oh my, yeah, my gosh, grandfather no. died on Purim. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, it's along those lines where, you know, I, I, I've been learning about like how other people like the, the, you know, all holidays, obviously any holiday, but this, this holiday in particular that I have a great love for can be like a real trigger point for people. Jews of color notoriously dread and hate every time Purim is around the corner. Like people have actually stopped, you know, showing up for like killer meetings or Purim parties just to not have to wrestle with the chance of having to see like a caricature of themselves sitting in the pew next to them. Yeah. So something that I just wanted to say in this discussion is that I grew up with absolutely no knowledge whatsoever of blackface and the history of blackface and the problems with blackface. And I just thought of it as, you know, I bought, you know, makeup at the store and because I am Lily White, it was too dark. So I'm going to wait for Purim and I'm going to wear it then. And I did that on at least one occasion. Um, And I had no idea that it was not appropriate and no one around me told me it was not appropriate. No one said anything. And like, I'm not sure if any of them, you know, I like, I look back on my, you know, this was when I was like maybe 18. I had, I did it. I think in my year in Israel, I did it. And I try to look, look back and like, try to remember, like, I feel like there were some people who looked at me funny. Um, but there were other people who just, you know, cool costume, whatever. Um, but I don't know if the people who looked at me funny were just like, 
you look different today <laughs> or there were other people you know who like were aware of the problematic context of what I was doing and didn't know how to approach that to me um but I feel like for the most part everybody was just really totally fine with it which just makes me feel bad for our community standards you know and like nobody knowing the history and nobody knowing um what it meant and yeah and how insensitive it was and so like when I got to college we watched um in one of my classes we watched the jazz singer and this was the first time I had encountered blackface in its historical context and what it meant and then I like after that I was just like oh my god <laughs> what what how did how was this allowed to to happen you know that that sheltered kids like me are not taught these things um and how important that kind of education is and yeah and like then you encounter other people who are just like well when i was a kid i did it and nobody got offended and therefore that is fine and it's like no i did it when i was a teenager it was not fine then it's not fine now and i don't know if people just don't like to to confront their past ignorance um or admit their past ignorance and yeah i think that around blackface because it is so common in costumes and people have such fond memories of their holidays with costumes whether it's halloween or whether it's purim um people have a hard time reconciling the fact that they may have been doing something wrong and yeah i just felt like that was an important note to add to the conversation yeah well i mean i know like even just speaking from Facebook conversations, I actually feel like pretty lucky having grown up where I grew up, um, where I, you know, it's possible that blackface happened and it didn't make an impression on me because I wasn't primed to, you know, be sensitive to it. Um, but in general, um, I don't think my neighborhood is that in like, yeah, it, I, I haven't like had that problem. Um, I have had a friend who showed up in yellow face at my house and I was like, awkward. Okay. Um, and I and I always have arguments about cultural appropriation, um, like every single year. It's like, please don't dress up as an Indian. Like, please don't like a Native American Indian. Please don't don't do that. Or or an Indian, a South Asian Indian. Um, but like just a South Asian Indian. But like, if you were dressing up as like I don't know, a person of a character of color, Moana. Where do you stand? Where do like people are like like to bring that in? And they're like, well, where do you stand on that? And it's like generally it's fine as long as you don't change your skin color because like don't wear someone else's skin it's gross that should be everyone's takeaway (laughs) (laughs) i remember there was like this maui costume that came out yes and people were horrified because it like because the tattoos were made they made them into leggings so basically you were wearing his skin and it was kind of creepy people were like who thought this was a good idea? How did this happen? You're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's this meme of like Maui and going, what can I say except, ah, <laughs> so, yeah, that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's such a, it's such a, like, it's such a shameful thing also because it requires really so like, like minimal thinking in other people's places, you know? And like, I know that, that's a human thing, whatever. We all struggle with being as empathetic as we should. Well, I struggle with being as empathetic as I should be. I shouldn't, I shouldn't put that on the whole human race. Um, but you know, it, it, it is something that you would think it's odd to me that the resistance comes up like every time, you know, this happens. Yeah. It's like, I understand that people don't know necessarily, like you're not necessarily born knowing that this is a hurtful thing to do, but once someone tells you, what is your excuse? And the, the, the reasonings get very frustrating and very circular. It's like, oh, well, I asked this one person and they said it was fine. It's like, all right, cool. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel for them. Like, I can see how upsetting it is that, you know, people's years and histories of oppression and discrimination is encroaching on your right to have your 25-hour binge drinking party once a year. <laughs> I feel it's like really we hard. should be sensitive to that. It's a really hard time for white people. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw something in, uh, it was in Tara Trump's Hate today. It was uh, like, 
how is that racist? White proverb. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. But how is that racist? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, my, my other favorite one is like when people do things and it's like, oh, but they're from a different time. And I feel like, again, only white people can get away with that. Mm. Like, I want to see like an elderly black guy, like, blow dart someone in the face. It's like, oh, no, he's from, <laughs> from a different time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That would be a great, like, punchline in a comic, though. I want this to be a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> oh, wait, I had one question. This is a fandom-related question um, involving blackface. I don't know if you have seen this movie in order to be able to, you know, give a full opinion on it. But Tropic Thunder, have you seen it? And what do you think of the blackface in that movie? That is complicated because it's hilarious. But it's making, within the movie, a meta-commentary mocking, like, you know, how Christian Bale blooms up to be Dick Cheney and then shrinks down to be the mechanist. And yeah, it's mocking crazy transformation. Yes. So it's not, you know, a white guy playing a black guy just because the movie. It's actually serving a purpose towards, like, the character and the plot. So. Yeah, I felt like everything in that movie is, like, ultimately punching up at Hollywood and at yeah. the actor's who are so self-indulgent about their Hollywood performances. But I also and, feel and, like and, and there's no way that, that, that would the, be made today. Like the other black character in the movie has a problem with it too. And so that also adds that layer that moves Al it Pacino. away from being traditional blackface. Yeah, it is a, yeah, it's an interesting case. But like some people will be like, well, Robert Downey Jr. did blackface and you didn't say anything, you know? And it's like, where's the nuance? But, like, in most cases, blackface, there is no nuance. But every once in a while, maybe there is. But it, but it's not in, like, you know, if you're dressing up in a KKK hood in your yearbook, that's not one of those cases. That's very different. <laughs> to be fair, it's a really easy costume. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually also have a fictional example, sort of. Um, this is, like, kind of a, a deep nerd dive but in um the very first avatar the last airbender comic which is called the promise um ang who is the last airbender uh meets a, like basically his fan club and they decide that they wa all want to become airbenders and he's the last airbender there are none and they want to embrace the culture and they want to do all this stuff and he's all into it until you know he leaves for a second he comes back and they all have his like tattoos his tribal tattoos that are like that he wears and he's like wait a second what are you doing and it's a really interesting kind of exploration of you know of of cultural appropriation and like how to deal with it because the the resolution is actually really interesting like the the um fan club they decide to become actual like air acolytes so they're people who are not of the culture but are preserving the culture and ang you know, decides to help them with this and they cover their, their tattoos because they realized that that was wrong. And I was like, this is actually awesome, except that it's really inconvenient that it's a tattoo. <laughs> like, it's really, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, like, it's a great big forehead tattoo. Um, but other than that, um, and that was actually very instructive for me because I remember reading it and I was like, wait, I don't, I don't understand. They're being respectful. And then a friend had to like sit me How down and be like, mm, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I personally like I, I was trying to think of some more fiction that dealt with this, um, but I couldn't really come up with anything. Did you guys have any examples? Not that comes off the top of my head. No. We should have more. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Brooklyn Nine-Nine could deal with this somehow. They're in Brooklyn. They should have to deal with this. I'm sure there is something Ooh. that I'm just blanking on. I feel like there's something, like, probably there's some exploration of this with, like, there are many Klingon episodes of Star Trek, and, like, who's the the true Klingon and who is, like, putting on the culture and who is... I just can't think of any one in particular right now. Maybe Deep like Space Nine with Dax, that was right? Lord. What? I feel like Deep Space Nine with Dax and Worf. Because mm -hmm. she does a lot of Cling on me things. Yeah. I, I she like seems that to be embraced by them. Where... Yeah, she fights with a batleth, and she has, like, the respect of all of these old-timey Klingons, and she swore a blood oath with them. 
right, to go after this person who killed one of their sons. Well, good thing we don't have any blood oaths <laughs> on Purim or in our culture. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, I don't about you guys. <laughs> there are no white Klingons. Is this, is this, like, I'm pretty sure that there are no white Klingons. So, like, if you were to dress up as a Klingon and you would not alter your skin tone and, like, you would just, like, try to make, like, mushy white prosthetics and try to make it clear that you're a Klingon with your costuming. I, I feel like Krang was white from Star Trek The Undiscovered Country. It was Christopher yeah. Palmer. He was pretty pale. <laughs> I don't think I have ever made it through that movie. <laughs> Sacrilege. <laughs> there are a bunch of Star Trek movies that I remember starting and not finishing. I really like the 2009 one. I did too. <laughs> I, I know yes. that a lot of people hated yes. it, especially yes. the purists, but I loved it to pieces. <laughs> like I loved it, it was like the highlight of my year that year, I remember. <laughs> that actually makes me feel really good at being not a Star Trek person. I'm like, yeah, I can fit in. I like the J.J. Abrams one too. Really <laughs> yeah, like but then there are many others who will Star give Trek you an fans. entire thesis on why it is it is wrong and bad. Yeah. I, I don't care because it brought me yeah. joy and Marie Kondo would support me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when it came out, my siblings and I, we all made a plan like to go see it, right? And uh, we saw it like as a group. And then after we all saw it, like each one was like, yeah, I actually saw it by myself like two days ago. Or, oh yeah, I saw it by myself last week. So we, we all snuck out separately <laughs> and didn't tell the other ones. And because we couldn't wait to see this movie. Yeah, that that was would fun. absolutely happen with me. It's, it's a miracle that my sister and I managed to see the Star Wars movies together each time because it's, like, we're both just, like, ravening for it. Um, oh, me and my brother, actually, um, the Star Trek 2009 film, the Pope almost ruined that movie for me. Because I we were I was in Israel, and this was, like, my brother was also in Israel for a, a, f- a few months, and we happened to be overlapping. And, like, this was, like, the one time we were able to get together and see a movie. Um, and the Pope was visiting Yerushalayim, and I was at my seminary in Yerushalayim, Harova, and they they had blocked off like the gates in and out of the city, and like it was really hard to get to get in and out. You would get up to these roadblocks, and then the soldiers, yeah, it was like unclear if you were allowed to pass or only in certain numbers of like large numbers of of people were allowed to pass. You had to wait until other people got there. Anyway, I got, like, up, you know, out of the gate, and I hit the roadblock, and, like, the uh, the guys were like, okay, you have to go, like, across the highway, and then up the road. And I was like, so, like, basically, just, just go around? Like, you're not actually stopping me from getting to the exact same place, I just have to go around? And they're like, yes. Okay. So... That actually <laughs> sounds like Comic-Con. <laughs> The stupid Pope. And then I got around and I made it to the bus stop and then I was waiting there. But because of the Pope, there was bumper to bumper traffic in every direction. So like literally like there was no movement. And like I was waiting there for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I was like, what is happening? How am I going to make it? So I was like, you know, at this point, it might just make sense to walk to the Tachana Merkazit and catch a bus there. And so I started walking and then I saw, then the traffic of course started moving right then, you know, and like the the bus passed me and I was just running flat out to try and make it to the bus. And I got there just in time and I got on the bus and I texted my brother and I was like, never again. (laughs) The Pope is the worst. Um, And yeah, we got to the movie and then we got there and yeah, I'm like, I had like five minutes to eat and we were eating in the kosher KFC. And then I put the, the, I I ate like some of my KFC chicken and I didn't have time to finish it, but we had to go to the movie. So I stuck it under my sweatshirt and I took it into the movie with me. And then it was the best movie movie ever. So it was worth it. And all for JJ. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't tell him <laughs> yes my good friend jj abrams i will uh i will hold back 
<laughs> yeah, well, all the Jewish nerds know each other. You know that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but so let's to uh, to turn this to a slightly more positive direction. Um, what can people do uh, about? I mean, I, you know, it sounds maybe pretentious to say, what can people do about blackface on Purim other than not do it? Um, but are there ways to talk about it beforehand? Are there ways to approach people who are doing it? Because I, I feel like a lot of the time, uh, you know, people who are concerned with this kind of thing are lumped into the category of, like, humorless liberals. And um, so... You know, but but at the same time, if something's serious, then you don't necessarily have the luxury of, of you know, treating it lightheartedly. Um, so, um, Manishana, what would you say people can, should, would ideally do um, in the in this in these situations? Channeling my my lapsed teacher years, I would just say it's on the syllabus. <laughs> like, there is literally tons of conversations and writings and articles by users of color about blackface, why it's wrong, what to do, costume choices. Just literally look. Actually, maybe we'll include some of those in the links in this episode. That would probably be um, a good resource. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I don't know. Like my my yearly thing is just kind of like slightly massaging the the idea that like again, don't dress in ethnic costumes. Don't dress in ethnic costumes. Please don't. Um, it, it hasn't made as much of an impact yet as I would like, probably because I haven't, you know, tried hard enough. What, what's your take, SM? What do you, uh, what's, what's, (laughs) what are your resolutions, I guess, in this, in this term, in this I mean, it's just like, there are so many fictional characters, like, are is it really that hard to come up with something? I mean, I'm not planning on being a character this year, um. In previous years, I have been, like, Black Widow, I've been Spock. Um, I was planning this year, but I am, of course, way behind on assembling materials, but hopefully this is not going to be too complicated. I'm planning to be fragile. Wait, 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 don't don't tell us, don't tell us yet. (laughs) That was my last question, okay. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'll tell tell you then. Um, I think that there are just many, many costume ideas that are, you know, of greater specificity, you know, than just generic ethnic person that would be both, you know, people would be like, cool costume if you they see you as a recognizable character much more than just like, whatever, <laughs> you're, you're wearing, you know, someone else's skin. That's cool, I guess. But, um, yeah, I just, I feel like people are making it out to be so much harder than it is. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I guess a thought suggestion to the process. Let me put my rabbi hat on for a second. <laughs> and since the entire point of wearing costume is to kind of emulate how God's name doesn't show up in the Megillah because he's hiding himself in like the natural course of the world. And so if your costume is, you know, hurting other people that's probably not the best way to emulate god so like maybe keep that in the back of your head when you're choosing a costume i like that a lot <laughs> yeah yeah so hopefully obviously this this conversation is is an, a deep one and an ongoing one um hopefully we'll come to the end of it soon um culturally speaking but um in the meantime we're gonna wrap up with a slightly more happy thing idea um and just share either um you can share what you're dressing up as for perm or like your dream nerd perm costume because i definitely know that those two are not the same thing for me Um, oh yeah i had time there are costumes that i would want to try and, and and assemble but Oh, I'm just saying somebody like dropped it down from the heavens and gave it to me. <laughs> oh, if someone dropped it down from the heavens and gave it to me, I would totally be Susan Ivanova. But I have never actually uh, found anything resembling a Babylon Five uniform. So, <laughs> um, so this year, um, my plan—it it was like I've been—I've pl- been wanting to do this for like several years. Um, it comes up in my Facebook memories every so often of like, for next year's poem, I'm going to be this. And then I never do it. But um, my plan is to get some caution tape and be fragile masculinity and 
print out like pictures or <laughs> obtain products that are completely unnecessarily gendered and um you know done up with masculine branding and like everything is black and Dumb smells like gunpowder <laughs> and beer and meat um look at your beer yeah, well, back to you me definitely your need... beer right. yeah <laughs> i miss that commercial <laughs> <laughs> i enjoyed my heart Gave me gave me so much joy because I randomly talk like that, so it's very easy to emulate. <laughs> oh man, you must have drunk out on that on for a while. <laughs> Loved it. Um, yeah. So for myself, I guess I um, well, so I'm dressing up as a dragon. I bought wings, I bought a tail, I bought little horn things, and then I bought also like a steampunk costume. So I'm gonna kind of mash those together and see what happens. <laughs> I'm very excited for your steampunk dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I think I think you the steampunk dragon anything as long as you add gears. Adding enough gears. Well, I don't it's have steampunk. gears, but it's like Victorian with ruffles, so I'm calling it steampunk. It's, okay. we don't need to be curious. Um I think I do need to cut a hole in the coat that I bought though, because the tail is not gonna be shown otherwise. Oh, so. no. <laughs> um yeah. Um other than that, my dream costume would probably be like like a Loki dress with the headdress and like Ooh. yeah, like Lady Loki. That um, is appropriately ridiculous. Yeah, and like <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the contour on that costume? Like whoa, <laughs> yeah. Um, Manishana, how about you? Huh. So it would either have to be like those. Maroon Starfleet costumes from like the original movies, or, or uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, Captain Black Sparrow, if you oh will. My God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God! I want to see that. I want to see that. I you too. have to wear eyeliner, also. <laughs> oh, I, I would do the whole thing—the whole shebang. Yes. Sadie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like pretty much staying within the Disney realm too. So we are all we are all in its web. <laughs> Star Trek is like the lone outlier and then everything else. Uh, all right. So um that is all for us for now. Um thank you so much for listening. Um Manishtana, if people would like to find you online and they should because you write about many important things and also nerd things, um, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me uh, on Twitter. It's at Manishana. Uh, on Instagram, I'm the real Manishana. Uh, my Facebook page. Uh, yeah, that's where I am. That's where I hang out. And don't forget to buy his books. Definitely. Oh, buy oh yes. Ariel yes I invited you on onto this right podcast to promote your books, and you you just haven't been doing it. <laughs> I know. I'm a flaky artist. I'm all about the craft, man. <laughs> <Blah>. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Um, SM, where can people find you online? Well, they can find my fiction, which I will remember to plug, at my Amazon Ow. author page. Every week. <laughs> yes, my Amazon author page, which is amazon.com slash author slash SM Rosenberg. Um, and they can also follow my public posts on my Facebook page. It's mostly uh, me. Oh, this week I met Mara Wilson. Um, she was interviewing Laurie Anderson. Yeah, I I got to to speak to her. Um, like while I was waiting in line, she actually like walked past the line, I guess, to get a drink, and she saw me, and I was wearing this skirt that I made um, out of this uh, uh, velvet fabric, alternating with this flip sequin fabric that I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. Yes, <laughs> um, yes and. It uh, and she was just like, I like that skirt, and I was like, Yeah, I, I made it. And she was like, No, really? Well, I always want to get more into making my own clothes, and she's like, I have a pillow like that, and I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> so do I. Um, but yeah, so then I turned back to my friend that I was with, and I was like, That just happened, and he was like, Holy shit, that just happened. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then I got to talk to, I bought her book and I, uh, I talked to her and, um, 
yeah, I have a picture. There's proof. It happened. We did. I, I, I told SM to ask her to come on the podcast, and she obliged. I did ask her to come on the podcast. Yeah, she um, said no. <laughs> she, said she, she said nowadays she only does podcasts with people that she knows personally. Which and means was, that we just have to get well, to know her personally. Know <laughs> yeah, like I just need to infiltrate her inner circle of friends. Yeah, I mean it's a big world. I mean, but a small world with Jewish Twitter. I'm sure we can find some connection there. I loved Matilda when I was. I a kid. may have a connection, um, but I would not want to exploit it. So, yeah. <laughs> Why are you even here? Why? What are you? What are you doing? One job. I have famous family members somewhat and like I would not appreciate people exploiting me to get at them, you know? So like By the way, uh could you give Yatir my email address? <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ink as Rain and you can find my writing at hypable.com. If you want to find Tamar, you can find her online at Tamar underscore writes, I believe, on Twitter, and a lot of her articles on Billboard. Uh, hopefully we'll have more information about her book uh, as as it becomes reality. Um, as for the Nice Jewish Fangirls, you can find us on Twitter at Jewish Fangirls, on Facebook, Nice Jewish Fangirls. You can send us an email, NiceJewishFangirls at gmail.com. Please check out JewishCoffeeHouse.com, which is a great resource for tons and tons of Jewish interest podcasts, um, which including... Um, a podcast that came out recently about um, the Jewish perspective on abortion from like their panel of female hosts. So like, that's cool. Check that out. Um, and please, if you can leave us an iTunes review, we would really appreciate it. We will read it on the podcast. If you rate us five stars and leave a review, uh, it really does help us rank in iTunes and all of that internet stuff that will help basically make us famous enough for Mara, Mara Wilson to come on the podcast. So, uh, that's, <laughs> yes, that's, that's the goal. Her, Mara it's her, and, and then it's Gal Gadot. And then, then and we're Gal Gadot. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll, we'll get them all. We totally will. And it's all dependent on you and your iTunes reviews. Mm -hmm. No pressure. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's all for now. Uh, live long and prosper and have a Purim Sameach, and please be respectful. Bye, everyone. <laughs>